Hi, and welcome to Deer IQ, where smart hunting begins. I'm Adam Lewis, 20 plus year educator, 30 plus year deer hunter, untastefully seasoned outdoor writer, and I'm here to help you achieve what we all hope for, to be truly greater deer hunters. This is part five in our series, Public Land Hunting Mastery, with friend Manny again, and we're looking at how to hone in on monster bucks on public land and actually get cracks at them. The last episode was great, and this is the conclusion of his five-year quest on a giant buck named Frazier. It jumps ahead in curriculum a bit to systems of great hunters, but definitely fit well here, so we put it in. As we start, I wanna challenge you to do a couple things. First, download our free journal to use with this podcast. That's really going to help. Second, as you use that, here are the top look-fors or things to look for during this episode. How did Manny use previous year's data or intel to get future encounters with this giant buck? What clues did Manny use specifically to know exactly when and where to set up for his strategic strike in broad daylight? And what crazy event threw a monkey wrench into that and messed it up? What tricky tactic did Manny use to discourage other hunters from hunting this buck? And what did this one deer help Manny fine tune about his hunting? And I have a few challenges at the end that I believe will truly take your hunting skills up several notches, so make sure to stay and listen for that. And now let's get to the podcast and up your deer IQ. All right, we're back here, segment two with Manny, and we're looking at the systems of great deer hunters. If you missed the first segment with Manny, you're going to want to listen to it. We He really take, took us into this awesome story, this monster public land buck in Michigan. Uh, you kind of need to get caught up on that story uh, for this to make sense. But he chased this buck for five years, and he had a super interesting way in which he did this. Um, and we're going to pick up the story there, um, as he's starting to figure out this buck and using some, uh, I'd say different techniques and strategies to do this. And the idea is to be a greater deer hunters. I've noticed that guys that have uncommon success, they use things I call systems, which are ways to do things. Um, a set of procedures according to which something is done, an organized method, and once you get these systems set up, they start going to work for you, uh, and they uh, really increase success. And so that's kind of what Manny was doing with this buck. And so he talked about a map and all this stuff. So getting back to this story, so kind of recap a little bit. You started collecting data on this map. I guess pick it up from that point, if you would. So the going to the map um, and looking at the previous sighting. So again, on the map, everything is color coded. Um, and if it was green, it was a daylight photo uh, of Frazier. So, and then from there, it's what date, what time. <clears throat> and then you can look up on your phone last year on October 28th, what was the weather uh, of that or uh, November 2nd, what was the weather pattern? So I was doing this and I'll take in, doing as best I could to take the information from the year previous to better prepare for the next year and how I can do a better setup or hone in even closer. And one of the, I mean, it worked. I mean, you have to get a, like crazy obsessive about it. Like, um, 
And not every deer can make you do that. Um, especially with wife and kids, but I did, I was going to go after, I was going to kill this deer or, and so I, I started looking at the data from the years previous. I had a, a licking branch, uh, that I'd established before that was a lot of traffic on it. So what I did is I went out two days before it was the November 7th and I went out November 5th and I snuck out there midday. I wanted to film it. So I, hung everything I could into the tree stand. I didn't want, I wanted to get in early. I wanted to sit all day and I didn't want to have a bunch of gear clanking around. So I, I freshened up the scrape. I hung all my stuff and I snuck out. Then I told my wife uh, that on November 7th, I had canceled all of my business meetings, all my work. And I wasn't, I was just hunting all day. And we were pregnant uh, with my son, Raphael at that point. So Nova, Nova, the map told you that November 7th, he was going to show up at that spot. No, it was my best inclination because yeah. I had the most traffic for does at that spot. He had shown up uh, scent checking that spot the year before uh, in early November. Uh, and that was the first time I got him in uh, daylight really um, was at that location uh, or close to that location. Um, and then if you look at the weather pattern from the year before, the next, within that first week of November, this was the closest weather pattern, it's even better weather pattern than the previous year. So um, every indication in my old uh, going over crazy data uh, was that this was going to be the day this was my best shot. And I, I found that uh, when you use cameras, when you get a photo of a big buck during daylight, well, it's not now go hunt the spot. You're too late. Right. You missed it. Like you have to be there at the time it takes the photo. So the only way to really try and figure that out with your best guess is look at all the Intel from the year before. So that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to be in the right spot before the camera told me that I missed my window. Um, so I get to that location or, or I, I tell my wife, I'm not hunting for the rest of the year for the, or I'm hunting all day. I'm not doing anything else. And we were pregnant at the time. And my, uh, my wife's like, you can't, you can't go hunting. I have to, uh, I have a doctor's appointment and you have to be with the kids. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So November 7th, I don't get to go hunting in the morning. My wife gets up. Mm. She goes to the doctor's appointment. I'm staying home with the kids. She sends me a text message and she goes, sorry, honey, doctor's appointment wasn't today. It's tomorrow. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, you can't, everybody I can't hunt tomorrow either. Like, <laughs> oh, everybody oh. listening, everybody listening just groaned with you. Oh, it was, uh, and of course, you know what happened at seven, I think 30 a.m. or 7 a.m. Broad daylight. He walks right by the spot. Sent checks the mock scrape and on a on a caddy corner to my tree stand and you can in the photo you can see the tree stand with the <laughs> bag hanging there everything up there that i put wow. up there two days before and he walks right by it in broad daylight gets to about at one point he's like 12 yards from my stand and then goes on and i'm like that's what we call tragedy so all of the intel worked the but the problem 
Hi, this is Adam Lewis with DearIQ.com and this is your High IQ Moment. Have you ever gotten caught up in fads when it comes to hunting? It's easy to do, especially with social media and marketing that is all around us all the time. Many times, these fad tactics or products, though, aren't actually helping us gain success. So one thing you should do is actually evaluate not what you feel about a product or tactic, but what is actually getting you more sightings, encounters, and ultimately shots at deer. If something isn't, then eliminate it from your backpack or hunting approach. One example and one I know personally has helped me more than about anything is getting current actionable intel with cell cameras. It has led me to know where and when to hunt at a moment's notice and to putting many bucks on the ground. So evaluate your gear list and see how many are fads and how many actually work. And for some public land hunting tactics that actually work and help you beat the crowds, check out our free public land hunting guide with eight expert approaches to success. And that's linked below. And if you're getting something out of this podcast, consider sharing it with a friend who may benefit. This helps the podcast grow and is greatly appreciated. Okay, and now back to the podcast. So all of the intel worked, the, but the problem is you have to be in the stand. Somebody forgot to tell me that. Yeah. You oh, have yeah. to actually be there. <laughs> and I, I will say, I will say you guys are still happily married, right? Yes, we are still okay, happily great. married. <laughs> but so, yeah, that's a tragedy. That, that is. But the, the point was, being that this, the map, the intel from pre- previous years all pointed toward this one day and time and these the certain conditions and it, it worked like that. Yeah. It, that's that's huge. You know, talking about patterning, um, the hard part is uh, deer staying alive from year to year, especially here in Michigan. But uh, if they can do that, that is a just a huge predictor of that. Even on these monster bucks that you don't even, it shouldn't even exist, honestly. Yeah. You know, in some of these places, uh, like you found them. But um, that is just key. So you missed your opportunity there. What year was that again? I think um, I want to say it was eighteen. Um, I'm pretty sure 2017. I tagged out um, and. I left him alone. Um, and like he kind of disappeared on me a little bit towards the, so consequently, just really quick, I am be, mainly because of Frazier, uh, but a little bit even before Frazier, uh, I wasn't kind of like an, any buck is good kind of a guy. It was like, mm-hmm. my, I like the chess match. I like to find a deer and kill it. And so I have, I've turned into an early season hunter and a late season hunter. Because when you hit the rut, I mean, you might, I might get a little bit of a window and estimation in the first week of November on like where he's going to start his rut. After that, I mean, just throw everything to the wind. Like you have no, yeah, have no idea where he's going. It's uh, so not a scientific thing at that point. Yeah. So the, so the, the rut's driven. great for somebody if you want a ton of activity and a ton of action and you uh, want to see a bunch of deer great. Like the, we want to shoot a decent buck. The ruts fantastic. People love the rut. I'm one of those oddballs that go, crap, the ruts here. And I just, I'm going to try and keep tabs on them as much as I can. But it's at that point, it's a little bit of a crap shoot. Um, well, yeah, because it's, it's, uh, it's more chaotic and you, if you're data driven, like you, you're, you've been and what you're looking at. And I think it's the best 
option when you get a system like this that the, you know the map is a system right you're collecting yeah. data um and well i want to talk about more like how that data um uh, told you some some of these things because you have more encounters with them right yeah um but when you do that the the rut is almost your your enemy because it throws in this wild card of he can be anywhere right he's not following the rules anymore um and so, but the data systems, you start getting those down uh, the, the, early the data, season, late season. Yeah. And, and I can hone in, I think it's thanks to the, um, my, one of my best tools is definitely a mock scrape. And again, I, I do a lot of state land hunting. So, and the reason I say that is like, you'll have everybody go out there in October and they're. Uh, weekend warriors, which is fine. I mean, everybody loves to get out in the woods and uh, it's my woods as much as it is yours, but um, they're just out there for the enjoyment of it. And they buy whatever's on the shelf at Bass Pro Shop. And in the middle of October, you're finding these huge, like five cans of buck bombs below a tree. <laughs> you're like, yeah, it's a little early for that. Uh, and then, then they're just throwing scent all over the place because whatever they buy on the shelf, the shelf helps you kill a deer, right? So... Right. They're just buying it. They use it. And so consequently, when it comes to state land, um, when it comes to scent, I'm less is more. I still use them, um, but I try and do it. I've never seen a doe go through the woods just spraying every tree for 500 yards. So it's a, a little bit of a different strategy there. But I think one of the best things that I do to help get that Intel to work for me in the beginning of the rut um, or when it kicks off in late October, early November, after that, it's a crapshoot because those licking, those licking branches and mock scrapes and those doe traffics are, he's probably going to start here. And if mm -hmm. this is his core area, I've set these up. I've worked them. I have a ton of traffic on them. The does use them all the time. Every deer that walks by them uses them. And I've put a lot of work into those. Um, and so that's, and, but once he daylights there, after that, like he's going to go wherever his nose takes him. Um, and so those lick, those mock scrapes and licking branches have really probably helped me in the beginning of the rut. And then after that, it's kind of like all bets are off uh, until the late season. Oh, he's back in his core area. All right. Now let's go back in after he survived. Let's let's go back. I, I get a lot of anxiety through the gun season. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I, I would try and go out there and find them, but uh, every gunshot that you hear, you're like, "Was that him?" So it's all, it was always a relief to get a photo of him after gun season, uh, or even during it, and going, "All right, at least he's alive." Um, and then late season, let's go after him again. Right. So you're getting them figured out. You've got this map system where you're collecting all this data. You've, and we highlight this in segment one more, just these steps you went through finding the buck in his area, uh, you getting him habituated to the pattern you want him to take through mock scrapes, thought like stuff like that. If you can use it, asking where and why he goes to certain areas, um, and using this map system and the Intel from trail cameras, from the previous years to predict the future and where you will meet him basically. And so in 2018, you had it all right. It's kind of a fluke and a tragic thing happens there. So after that, what happened with Frazier? Um, did you have any more encounters that year or was it in 2019? In 2018, um, 
in 2018, it kind of turned into a crapshoot. Um, I think I had one more. Oh, yeah, tw- that was 2018. Um, I had one more encounter with him um, where I was at home. I don't remember what day it was, but it was in the, it was in the middle of the rut. It was right after gun season. Like there's like a gun season ends first couple days of December goes back to bow season again. And then it goes back to muzzleloader season. I bow hunt a lot through all of that. Um, but I remember it was noon. I was working at home and my camera goes off. Uh, I just started using Wi-Fi cameras. At the time. My camera goes off and it's a doe and then Frazier and then like a couple does of Fra- and Frazier. And I'm like, he's there right now. I know exactly where this is. Is in one of those, is w- w- that narrow place I was telling you about before. It was that location. Um, it's like he's, he takes these little highway trails that bypass all of this swamp. Um, I don't know if he just didn't like getting muddy or wet, but he, <laughs> he ended up going through all these locations and I remember it was this spot is very close to a road. Um, and I knew I could just jump in my vehicle and drive out there and get pretty close to this location, not knowing if they would still be there or what. So I get out there to this spot, grab my bow. Uh, I don't obviously don't take camera gear or anything. I'm just running out to the spot and I get to this location and, uh, I start going with a doe bleat. And nothing really happens. I go with a doe bleed again. And then I see does. And then I see him. I just, and every time I seen him, I have hundreds, thousands, probably of photos of this deer. You know what to expect. You have a guess on how big he is. Like you have a guess on what he scores. Like, you know what to expect. I've seen him a lot. This is the deer I'm hunting. And every time I saw him on the hoof live, it was just a heart stopper. Oh my goodness. And he just lifts the head. And I'm like, every time I'm shocked. I shouldn't be shocked. Every time I was shocked. Um, and so he lifts his head. He's about 75, 80 yards. Um, and I start lightly going with the doe bleat. And he starts taking a couple steps forward towards me. And I'm like, please keep coming. And it's really thick. Um, and I'm like, please keep coming. And then one of the does turned around and went back into the thicket. And then he stood there for quite a while. And then he just turned around, followed her. I'm like, oh. So I had a tree stand that was pretty close to this area. Um, Another one of the tactics that I did, I'm not sure how good of a tactic this is. Um, I may not recommend it anymore, but there was so much hunting pressure that I took every tree stand that I owned and I went and hung it all over these locations that I wanted to hunt. I mean, everywhere. Like uh, there's tree stands everywhere. (laughs) So every time I'd talk to somebody uh, in the parking lot, uh, they'd be like, I found good sign over here, but there's there's hunters everywhere. Every tree, there's there's a hunter. So they would always avoid these locations that obviously a lot of people hunt in, right? Cause there's trees right. all over. The yeah. Place. Some people take the tactic of, Oh yeah, I want no one to know where I'm hunting, but there's the opposite of, yeah, you just oversaturate the place and it, people avoid it. <laughs> I, 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 even my buddy who was like hunting with me at the time and he would come from the West side of the state. We have a lease together over there. 
come from the west side of the state and come over and hunt. Uh, he almost shot him in 2017. Um, but he would come over to, to our place and hunt and he brought, he was all in on the, on the plan too. He would bring me tree stands. Like I have so many of his tree stands and sticks. He'd bring the tree stands. We'd just go hang them up everywhere. So I knew at this location, I'm like, I have a tree stand. I never hunt, but it's right over here. It's actually in a good spot. Um, so I'm going to sneak in there tonight and hunt. And it's on two different sides of this bog. So I had a choice to make. I had a choice. I could either hunt that tree stand that was where I found, where I had the photo of him midday. Or I could go to the other side and uh, a tree that I normally hunted him in or that I hunted out of and had good success out of. And so I, I have the decision to make and I fought with the decision even I, I have my gear. I'm ready to walk out. And I'm like, do I go to what the do you do? Do I go to the other stand? And of course I make the wrong decision because in my history, sometimes data can kind of screw you up uh, because in my history, I have never gotten a photo of him on the same camera in the same day. Never. So I'm like, he's never done that before. I'm it was a smart go decision. With, it was a smart I'm going to go with right? history. I'm going to yeah. go with history and his tendencies and I'm going to go to the other side of this bog and I'm going to hunt out of that pinch point. And I'm, and sure enough, right before last light, I mean, right before last light, my phone goes off and here comes a doe by the camera and a doe by the camera and Frazier by the camera. Well, Those and same freaking white oak tree <laughs> that they were at earlier. <laughs> To your point, and to make you feel a little better, even though time heals all, right? But it, it doesn't totally. Um, this was what time of year again? This was uh, first couple days of December. Okay. Well, he was following a doe. Maybe it was a second rod type thing. Yeah. Um, so, you're, again, the idea of his behavior might not have done that, but if he's following this doe, that changes his behavior, and that's where it's a, it's a crapshoot, right? So yep. you were making the best uh, intel-driven decision that you could have. There's just other factors, right? And that's yeah. just part of, part of hunting. But like I always try to look at it as... It's like, you know, gambling or like you stack the odds in your favor the best you can with the data. It's still a gamble, but it's just a better gamble, right? And that's what you're yeah. trying to do. And you did it, but it didn't work out. But It did, it did not work out. But I like to tell myself that if I would have picked the tr the other tree, that he would have just gone to the other spot. Like, yeah, it's... it's <laughs> just, uh, it was my history with that deer. Um, but that was another tactic that I, I used uh, was actually throwing up tree stands everywhere. And it worked. I mean, I kept a lot of hunters out of certain spots, which made him more comfortable to be in them uh, and stay in them longer. It did help. Um, didn't ultimately uh, seal the deal in that situation. Let's let's jump to the end here. I know you had one more encounter with him. But let's, 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 how did it end? Tell us how did it end with the Frasier? Let's get to the end of the story. It was five years of cat and mouse. Yeah, we, we skipped over like tons of sightings of, uh, of him. It's kind of, yeah. And you can, you can read the whole story. It's, uh, I, I, it's on the blog. I'll link it. You can see pictures of this buck uh, to really do it justice. So I encourage you guys to check that out. Um, and he's, and he's over his shoulder. Yeah, he's. If you're watching the video, he's over his shoulder. It's kind of hard to see, but there's really good pictures, trail cam pictures in that blog article. And I will link that below. But 
for time's sake, let's jump to tell us the end of the story. And then what what are the big things you learned from this monster mature book? So I'll hit 2019 really quick because 2019 is when I figured out how important the mineral licks were. Um, I didn't know that until 2019. So in 2019, we weren't allowed to do mineral licks anymore in the state of Michigan. So I stopped. Um, and all of a sudden, my photos of that deer went to nil. I So much so, I could not find the deer. I had no idea where he was at. He was never in any of his normal spots. I, I put up cameras. I'm like, he's got to be dead. Like, I couldn't get him all summer. I couldn't get him anywhere. Um, 2018, it was him or nothing, and I ended up shooting nothing. 2017, I made the mistake of tagging out. I shot a pretty nice 10-point and a nice 8-point, and I made the mistake of tagging out, um, and then he started showing up again. So in 2018, I said, it's him or I'm not killing the thing. I didn't even shoot a doe in 2018. Uh, it was him or nothing. So fast forward to 2019, I was going to do the same thing. I couldn't find him. I couldn't find him all summer. I couldn't find him through uh, September, October. Uh, and so I'm like, if he's alive, the only thing that I can go on is where he always kicks off the rut based on, because I kept up all my mock scrapes and everything had still a ton of normal activity on it, just not him. So I decided, all right, I'm going to just going to, I'm going to leave cameras out there to monitor, to see if he shows up throughout October or whatever, but I'm not going to waste the time if he's not there, he hasn't been there, but I will specifically monitor these old locations that he would always show up uh, in the end of October. Um, so if, and that's coming back into the Intel of, working that those mock scrapes and working the Intel from years previous on what his tendencies were. But in 2000, so up to this point, you didn't even know, like you're getting in a hunting season. You didn't have a picture of him. You didn't even know if he was alive. I did oh. not have a photo of him even all October, um, all October until I don't remember what day it was, but he showed up. It was in the end of October. He showed up in the core area where he would kick off the rut in and where I had put most of my efforts in mock scrapes and everything else. And he showed up on one of my licking branches that I had made. Um, and he literally tore the thing out of the tree. Uh, I mean, literally branches this big around that were just snapped multiple and hanging down. Like he shredded that thing. He destroyed it. And he dug out the, the scrape into a, a hole uh, and he kind of made his presence known at that point. Uh, and I'm like, he's alive. I literally thought he was dead. And so then it was a mad scramble uh, to get on that deer. Um, and I, I tried, but the, the normal, as soon as like you only have a short window on where yeah. he's going to kick the rut off in, and I wasn't able to get on him in 2019 in, the, in that weekend or in that uh, first week. I got some photos. I'd got some locations. Uh, but it's you're into that mode where he was there, but you weren't. And so your consolation trophy is you have a photo of him. <laughs> right. But you weren't there. So your camera was, but you weren't. And so you didn't get to kill him. Um, and then... I got a couple in gun season. I went after him. I knew he existed and I did my best to 
figure him out and figure out where he was going to be at. And I got some photos of him throughout, um, throughout gun season. And then, uh, or no, my last photo of him was, uh, was the opening day of gun season Hmm. in the evening, like in the, like midnight. Um, and then that was the last photo I ever got of him. Um, never saw him again. Um, and it wasn't until January, uh, or no, March, something like that, uh, around March, April, end of March, beginning of April, uh, that some they're buddies of mine now, but I had no idea who they were. They were out, uh, shed hunting for a buck that they were after on state land. And, um, he's a deer that I knew, um, probably a two and a half year old mainframe eight point. Um, and they were out, they thought he was the bull of the woods and they were out looking for sheds for him. And, um, probably 110, 120 inch deer in that range. And they stumbled across Frazier. Um, and he was dead. I about, I don't know, 75 ish yards off of the main road. Um, in one of the locations he was, he literally died probably 35 yards from one of my tree stands that I hunted quite often. Um, and so they find this deer and then in very short time from the time that they found it within 12 hours, I think it was, um, I had found out about it and we agreed to meet because of my history with the deer. And so we met, uh, at a parking lot and it was the first time I actually got to put my hands on him. It was really bittersweet. Um, that deer taught me so much about the property so much about what deer do, why they do it, how they do it. Um, I come from a boxing family. My dad, he's just recently passed away, but my dad loved boxing. And I, I sent a video of him, uh, I think probably in 2017, when he had just started getting flyers and stuff, uh, crazy stuff. And he was walking into the middle of the night. It was a video of him walking into a bunch of other deer. And he had his head down doing the side step thing and all the deer started spreading apart and my dad said he reminded him of joe frazier walking in the ring and everybody just being so afraid of him so i just started calling him frazier my dad would always text me Did you get him yet and my goal was always send him the text and down goes frazier so i was able to send him the text message he just didn't happen with my uh arrow um but that deer taught me he fine-tuned my not just my tactics he fine-tuned my gear he fine-tuned uh, what I used, how I used it, why I used it. Uh, he made me a better archer. He made me a better deer hunter. Um, and I use the tactics that I learned and the things I learned from him. And I apply them to a lot of my hunting today. Um, and, and within 24 hours of him being found, he made his, made his way home and he was on my wall. The, those guys gave him to me because of my immense history with the deer and they didn't even know that he existed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you imagine being on state land, hunting a, I don't know, 110 to 120 inch, eight point ish, thinking that's the biggest deer out there. And then stumbling across a deer that almost walked around at 200 inches. So, uh, yeah. And so it's, it's crazy to me that you saw this. So they posted it on Facebook, right? Uh, you get wind of it. You wind up meeting up with them. They wind up giving you the deadhead, which is yeah. crazy. Most guys would not do that. So. Uh, it's just like it's just an incredible story. And again, you can read it, the details and see all these pictures of them. 
in that blog article uh, I'm going to link. But um, yeah, that's it's just a, I mean, yeah. tragic, but almost poetic story, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it, like, I definitely knew he existed. I was after him. And because I was so close to him and multiple different encounters with him, he definitely knew I existed um, because we were, we had so many close encounters and I look back on some of them and I tried to, my brother goes, when he read your article, he goes, my brother's like, why would you say that? You sound like, you, you sound like an amateur. I'm like in some ways I was, and I made some dumb moves in some aspects, but it's what happened. And I learned from those things. Right. And we, we knew each other existed. He knew I was after him. He knew I was close. And when he inevitably beat, beat us all. And by us all, I mean, there was a lot of people after him. I obviously had the most history with him and the most, I think there was only one other person I know that ever had a daylight photo of him. Um, and that was somebody in the apartment complex uh, that I referenced. <laughs> so like every, people had, people had nighttime photos of him, but I was the only one with consistent daylight photos of him and consistent encounters. And it's because of some of these tactics that I use and I use them today, not just on that ground, but on other ground that I go to. Yeah, great story. And as we wrap this up, um, I promised you I'd reveal Manny's uh, Dear IQ score, the quiz that you all can take. Manny scored an 8 out of 10. And uh, that would give you a B in high school or something. But it actually, uh, it's a very tough, very tough one. So that's actually a really good score. So... Uh, good job with that. If you want to know how you would do compared to Manny or other people that have taken it, there's a link below. Go on our website and go ahead and take it. Uh, it's a fun quiz. So as we wrap up, here are some key high IQ takeaways and challenges. First, how can you get and use data to set strategic strikes from year to year on Deer You Hunt, just like Manny did? What's your biggest fail? See more of Manny's in the article below where I detail more close encounters he had and how, yeah, he messed up a little bit, and how have these honed you into a better hunter. And if they haven't, you should probably sit down and think about that because these are our best learning opportunities. Okay, and next time we'll look deep into a few specifics on Manny's setup and tactics that gave him the edge other hunters didn't have. It'll help you get to the next level as a public land deer hunter. You won't want to miss it. And I'll see you then.